This is Growing Pulse Crops, and I'm your host, Tim Hamrich. Today, we explore what's happening on the demand side of Pulse Crops with Eric Barch of AGT Foods. There's a lot of things that we've had to establish. Protein checking in peas was non-existent, you know, 20 years ago. Now it's where we're checking protein on every load to be able to supply some of the high-end markets that we are today. You know, a lot of major investments in protein manufacturing plants, in processing, in food manufacturing plants that are incorporating pulses is, you know, really at an all-time high and continues to, to grow. Eric Barch is the division head for global food ingredients at AGT Foods based in Bismarck, North Dakota. He's been with the company for 16 years now, and through that time, they've grown from just a couple facilities to now over 45 and $2 billion in sales. Processing peas, lentils, chickpeas, fava beans, and dry edible beans has been their primary focus since they were founded back in 2002. Now, while they've ventured out into some other grain-based products as well since that time, they still remain focused and bullish on the future of pulse crops, especially on their use as ingredients and functional foods. On today's episode, Eric discusses how much has changed in pulses to make them more attractive to a wider variety of consumers who want both tasty and nutritious foods. This has had major impacts on what buyers are looking for from these pulse crops in terms of flavor and functionality. Eric talks about how that information gets passed from the consumer to the producer and back and forth and the role AGT Foods plays in facilitating that type of connection. He also talks about some of the opportunities ahead for the industry and why he's more optimistic than ever about the market potential for these pulse crops. First, Eric will set the scene for our conversation by describing the rise of domestic interest in pulse crops in North America over the past couple of decades. You look over over time, over the last uh, what, 30 years, and, you know, historically, you know, large consumption, you looked at, you know, Middle East, you looked at North Africa, you looked at India, some continent, uh, you looked at parts of Asia where, majority of the pulses were consumed and you know really our markets here in North America have always been an export market where majority of what we produce was solely dependent on the export market and you know about 10 15 years ago we started to see a little bit of that that change and an opportunity created in markets like North America and Europe where consumers are looking for you know healthy alternatives they're looking for you know how can they eat healthier but the key is can you eat healthy but can it taste good and people are looking for innovation. I mean, you look at, you know, hummus, for example, went through a big push in the late 2000s where, you know, we export a majority of our chickpeas, but then you had companies like Sabra, for example, that would come in and they made hummus mainstream to where you saw hummus cups on an airplane, you saw them in gas stations, you saw them wherever. So there was a phenomenon that made hummus mainstream in North America. And all of a sudden now chickpea market in North America is much bigger than our export market. And so we started seeing that opportunity in the, the pulse ingredients is, you know, for years we were trying to convince domestic consumers to, you know, eat lentils, eat split peas, you know, eat chickpeas. And it really hasn't been part of the, the main diet. But when they eat pasta, they, you know, they like to snack, you know, people are eating, you know, bread. So how could we incorporate, you know, these healthy ingredients into everyday foods that consumers eat. And that's really one of the initiatives we took when we built our mining plant is how do we transform pulses into ingredients that can be incorporated into everyday food. So now you look at the market and there's all kinds of gluten-free pasta made from lentils, chickpeas, peas, you know, they become mainstream where it's became a very large market. 
You look at pet food market, discovered you know the benefits of pulses in pet food. So we've seen a big push over the last uh, 15 years on the use of pulses into to pet food. Uh, so th- there's many ways to where we've taken pulses, transformed them into an ingredient, and incorporate into you know everyday foods that consumers are familiar with. Like I said, with snacks, pasta, you know, pet food. You know, you look at a lot of the meatless products now in the market today, and it contains a uh, you know peas. So consumers were attracted to the health benefits of of pulses and what they had to offer because they were non-GMO, they're gluten-free, uh, you know, they're plant-based. So it carries a lot of the consumer demand today. It's just how do you get into a form that they can consume it? Do you have sort of like a standard process that you're going to to run these products through for the ingredients or is it just made to order kind of all over the map? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it can be made to order, but really we've, We've had to blaze the trail a little bit on how we can transform these into ingredients. For example, when we first started, we were milling the products into flour. But one of the challenges at the very beginning is that peas will have a like a bitter taste. So as people were trying to push their inclusion rate into uh, you know finished food products, they were getting a strong beanie note that would be not accepting by by the market. So we actually developed technology where we remove that flavor. So we we remove that that beanie note to allow people to push higher inclusion rate, and in most cases, go to 100% inclusion rate. So you now see pasta today, for example, that's a single ingredient, it's 100% pea or 100% chickpea pasta. And, you know, without that deflavoring technology, it's that's very difficult to get to. So, you know, that, that's just one of example of things that we do, but we're looking at, you know, how do we modify the flowers for specific applications? You know, for example, we have some proteins that could replace egg whites or, you know, that, you know, have that functionality that could be a benefit from the food manufacturer to produce that finished product, or it could be a benefit to the consumer. But it's really, we're at the tip of the iceberg on what we're doing to pulses today from an ingredient standpoint. Like I always said, it's not split pea soup anymore. You know, we're, we're transforming these products into functional ingredients that you could start seeing and on the shelf all over as you know you walk into a store and you read labels you see corn and soy and everything um so pulses can play that role also where from a functional standpoint they can bring the benefits that you could see from for example corn and soy right it would seem at least from the media so i don't know how much of it actually is true that we're seeing a little bit of a pullback in in some of the plant-based protein market is that impacting you all at all or where do you see that kind of going yeah, I mean, there is pullback, I think, from a consumption standpoint. I mean, yeah, it is all over the, the media. But to me, the market isn't changing. It's moving full force ahead on that specific space, full force ahead on innovation, on drive, because the, the market, I feel, is there long term. You know, it's just you have all kinds of inflationary issues, all those things coming that, you know, consumers are making certain buying decisions today. But I, I think we're going to see that momentum coming back within that space. But then when I look at the other side, when you look at the snacking, the pasta, when you look at, you know, dairy-free products, when you look at, you know, certain categories that the growth has not waned at all, that it continues to grow year after year. And the the innovation is, you know, to me is at all-time high that we continue to see, you know, companies innovating, utilizing these these ingredients. So, to me, yeah, there's some markets that declined and some markets that continued to grow. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's exciting because the way you describe that, it does. I'm trying to think of what area of the grocery store 
there wouldn't be pulses, you know, g- given what you just said, you know, everywhere from from fresh to dairy to uh, the bakery to uh, the the protein uh, to the snacks is pretty much everywhere. Is there any maybe understated uh, area that you're excited about? You know, from a nutritional standpoint, we see, you know, a lot of opportunity with pulses where people are looking for high protein claims or maybe looking for, you know, some type of nutritional benefit. But we see an opportunity, like I said, as the the functionality of, of uh, pulses and pulse ingredients, what they can offer, you know, not just from a nutritional standpoint, but how could they potentially play a role in, you know, soup thickening or, or whatever it may be, you know, from a functional standpoint, they can play a role not only from a nutritional standpoint. Great. Well, what about geographically? You know, we talked about which which of the pulses are trending, which of the products are trending. What about the geographies? Well, yeah, I mean, when it when it comes to ingredients, uh, you know, the two big drivers today is has been Europe and North America. And, you know, very little effort put into each of those regions just because consumption was limited, you know, from a, uh, you know, historical from a dietary standpoint, not a lot of people ate lentils and chickpeas and, you know, pulses into these two regions, you know, most of the consumption, like I said earlier, has always been, you know, Indian subcontinent, uh, you know, parts of Asia and North Africa, where these were staple foods. And so it hasn't historically been staple foods in these these regions. So, you know, when it comes to an ingredient perspective, that's where we're seeing the biggest trend today. But I tell you what, I mean, we're, we're seeing demand into, into Asia. We're seeing demand into you know, all regions around the world as people are looking at how they can catch the trend that they're seeing in North America and Europe um, in utilizing these products as, as ingredients. And occasionally you'll hear somebody, you know, talk about like, processed food as if processed is somehow bad even though pretty much everything we eat is somehow processed in one way or in one way or another now with with these pulse ingredients i would imagine that you are maintaining the nutritive qualities uh, of the products is that right well yeah and that that's really our our goal you know Murad, our, our ceo you know when we first uh, built the plant and put in the processes to add value to the to the products. Really, the the main goal is there can't be any additives. You know, use a mechanical process, uh, no additions or masking agents or anything like that. To yeah, to like you said, to overly process the material. And we want to maintain that clean label because pulses are they're wholesome, they're good for you, they're they carry a lot of great benefits. So how do we transform them ingredients but maintain all those all those benefits? And that's that's really been our goal is to. To maintain as much of the the wholesome product as as we can, and that's that's what we're we're driven by. And I think that's one of the unique things that we're that we're doing as an industry is, you know, by by providing those wholesome products. Great. Well, let's shift gears here to the growers of these products. I'm curious about the sort of the feedback loop between the innovations that you're bringing to add value to these products and what you're hearing from your customers, you know, that are, that are buying the ingredients and then like somehow getting that back to, you know, the optimized genetics and growing practices, et cetera. How how does that work, you know, in the future? How do we make sure that what's being grown is aligned with what's being demanded and how it's being processed? You know, one thing that we've, we've been working on is, to me, there, there's more opportunities coming for growers. I mean, because there's you're establishing more markets, you're establishing maybe more you know stable markets. So it does create opportunity not only for the industry but also for the growers. But it, it you know it is some need for for change in how the markets are approached. For for years, you know the the big concerns when shipping to traditional markets is size, color, 
foreign material, those are all things that you're concerned of, where today, when you're looking at these new and emerging markets from the ingredient platform is you're now concerned about protein level, you're concerned about, you know, molds in your your product, you're concerned about, you know, the integrity of product once you mill it into a, to a flour. So there's a little bit different thinking of the approach to the market where 20 years ago, we didn't really worry about protein level of pulses. Today, now protein level is a, a main item that everybody's targeting because the higher the protein, the better. So, you know, plant breeding, you know, agronomically, how can we maximize and achieve the highest the highest protein level? And that's really been one of the, the targets today. And so, you know, there's opportunities where growers, if they grow higher protein, they can get more premiums for their, their product. So it's really industry is going through a little bit of change in order to to capture those those opportunities, how we how we procure the product, how we process it, how we ship it. So that it is an interesting transformation that we've been going through the last 10 years. And I think that's it's going to increase because I, I don't think it's going to stop at protein. I think there's there's going to be opportunity in the future to grow these products uh, for, you know, maybe it's a specific um, nutrient or a specific uh, vitamin level or a specific um, anti-nutritional level. You know, there's going to be opportunities to capitalize on specific markets and, you know, and the goal is to generate a larger return for the industry, but also the grower. Yeah, absolutely. And is there one example of uh, of an area? I guess you mentioned protein as one example, just like a just a quality you'd like to see more focused on throughout the industry. And that includes it's not just all on the growers. That includes, you know, the genetics being developed and everything else. But any other quality other than protein that you see is like this is becoming way more important than it used to be. There could be, uh, you know, others that we get into, but really the the main driver today is is protein. If we can continue to push higher protein varieties, you know, variety development, you know, agronomic practices that can drive drive protein would have the biggest impact today from a grower to the industry. And uh, do you all package any goods either under your own brands or or for your customers, or is it all bulk ingredients? Well, majority of what we do is the the ingredients. Um, you know, we'll pack you know from a you know fifty pound bag up to a you know a rail car of ingredients. But we do have our veggie line, what we call now. It's veggie is V E G G I. So we have a veggie pasta that's made from one hundred percent pea flour. So it's a pasta line that we just launched here in the last couple of years. Um, we have veggie crumb, which is like a bread crumb replacement, and then we have veggie meals, which Veggie meals are, are brand new for us that uh, it's really not in the, the market yet today, but we have been sampling it out to, to customers where it's, it's dried texturized protein. So it'd be shelf stable with the seasoning. So then you'd add, uh, you know, a couple cups of water, you cook for 10 minutes and you have something that would, you know, be similar to like a taco meat or to a, some type of uh, meat type high protein product that, you know, somebody could take with them if they're camping or if they are vegan. I mean, you have, you know, lots of uh, vegan, vegetarian consumers that are looking for a high protein meal. And that's what we've uh, we've created with our technology that we use in uh, in Minot and in our plant in Regina, where we can produce these products into like texturized protein that will give you, you know, similar to like a, a texture of a, of a meat product. That's really interesting. And so uh, the veggie pasta is already available but not this veggie meal yeah the veggie meal we're just we're just coming out with them now we're uh we've been actually uh, doing around with uh, retailers on product demonstration and you know they're exploring and putting it into their their shelf so that's something that we're in the middle of right now and getting 
phenomenal responses. They love the the taste, the texture, you know, what we're creating, how clean label it is, and the idea that it's a that it's shelf stable. I think it's interesting to think about the level of innovation here. I'd, I'd love to talk about lentils specifically because it seems like it's like the old adage of like, how do we get people to eat lentils? There's so many benefits to lentils in that product category. Where are you seeing kind of the most opportunity? Is it in pasta or is it something else? No, I mean, lentils, again, it's it's really in all the categories that the peas are in. I mean, it. you know, we're, we're seeing the, the pasta today, for example. I mean, we manufacture gluten-free pasta and mine it and, you know, we're making a lot of pasta from from lentil. But Again, the the snacking, you know, you look at the, there's some cases where they're using lentil protein in, you know, specific uh, snacks. So, I mean, that area continues to grow because lentil is probably one of the more familiar crops that people are, you know, recognizing, you know, from a taste standpoint are, are used to. So it's that's going to be one of the more emerging, uh, you know, ingredients coming. Initially, it's always been pea, but I, I think we could see a big push in uh, in lentil. Yeah. And um. You know, my understanding is that historically, a lot of the pulses grown in North America were shipped over to like Asia to be processed. So is that a lot of your competition is is actually shipping it overseas uh, or kind of talk about that? You know, you look at like China, for example, China had been importing peas for, for several years. And, you know, what they've been doing is they've been separating the starch from the peas and then using the starch to make vermicelli noodle. And then the protein was their their byproduct. So their protein is just a little bit different than what we're making, but it is a protein that's, you know, being distributed around the world. So in a way it is a competitive product, but yet it's also an opportunity for U.S. growers, you know, to ship their peas to, it's a market in, you know, China to where they're transforming the products into, into ingredients, basically. You know, we, we feel we, we supplement that in a different way that, you know, our products are more of a concentrate versus an isolate. It has just a little bit different market than what, you would, uh, you know, fulfill with like an isolate type product. I gotcha. Yeah. So they want the starch for the noodles, right? Correct. So in your process, you don't necessarily remove the starch the way they would. Yeah. I mean, we do separate the protein and starch, but it's not as high of a concentration as, as what they would have. Interesting. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. And do you buy directly from growers? Yeah, so we our plant we buy directly from growers. They deliver to our plant, um, and then we process it. So we are literally going from grower to box. You know, like with our our pasta, growers are delivering in one door, and pasta is going out the other door. So we're a vertical supply chain, and that's really what's you know attracted to our customers. Also, with all the days of you know all the years of uh, supply chain issues and. You know, all the things that have gone on with the transportation logistics that we're literally the full supply chain from the grower to their finished box uh, that, you know, makes what we're doing attractive to to them is that it's a it's a one stop shop at that point. Yeah, that's really cool. Hmm. Well, what else? I mean, if you could talk to a room full of those growers that are selling you their pulse crops, you know, what what message would you want them to have about the the future of, you know, pulse ingredients? Again, you know, I've said this many, many times, we're, we're literally at the, the tip of the iceberg. I mean, we are in the middle of, you know, a transformation of the industry that I think has a major amount of upside. You know, we're going through some growth as an industry on how to position ourselves as a, as a crop to continue pushing that, pushing that growth. You know, there's a lot of things that we've had to, you know, establish, uh, you know, develop, you know, from a industry standpoint, from a company standpoint that, 
that allows us to continue to to grow in this this whole space. I mean, you don't realize there's a lot of things that we've had to establish. Like I said, protein checking in peas was non-existent, you know, 20 years ago. Now it's where we're checking protein on every load. So it's things like that that we're having to go through as an industry. And I wouldn't call it, it's not a growing pain, but it's a it's a maturity thing that our industry is going through to be able to supply some of the high-end markets that we are that we are today but as an industry globally there we've you know embraced this whole you know concept and ideas the you know pulses as an ingredient and you know the opportunity in that space and there's been a lot of research a lot of development work towards that whole space um, and a lot of investments going on in ingredients you look at you know a lot of major investments in protein manufacturing plants and processing in food manufacturing plants that are incorporating pulses is, you know, really at an all-time high and continues to to grow. You know, the fact that bricks and mortars are being put in place to continue growing this market is a good thing for the growers and that there's stability in the market to, you know, gives them that outlet for their pulses that, you know, they didn't have 20 years ago. I, I remember when I started with the Northern Pulse Growers in 2000, we literally, there's one processor in North Dakota, Montana maybe two processors and they were you know taking product uh, loading it to single cars and shipping it to seattle and sending it to to asia to indian subcontinent now that that's completely changed there's there's markets almost in every town uh, and there's you know opportunities for growers to to market the material and and i think that that opportunity is going to grow and it's really those that are you know staying with the times and looking at you know how can they increase their protein how can they have unique uh, development of seed and so on that that can capitalize on the opportunities that will be in front of them as growers. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, with your background uh, and of course what you've been doing uh, the last, uh, what, 15, uh, 17 years, something like that. What do you see as the pros and cons of pulses being sort of lumped together? Is it you know, confusing. Obviously, it, it's helpful for messaging, but I, I wonder how many consumers really understand what a pulse is, whereas they might know exactly what a pea or a chickpea or a, or a lentil might be. I'm curious what you see as kind of pros and cons there. Yeah, I mean, it, people, you know, it, you know, people say pulses and they go, what's a what's a pulse? But, you know, it feels like that that term is being used more and more that people are starting to recognize it, but it's still not as recognizable as when you say peas, lentils, chickpeas. So when you say pulse and you say peas and lentils as a follow-up, then they're like, oh, I know what that is then. But in general, the consumer doesn't know what pulse is. But, you know, in 2016, for example, was the UN declared it as the International Year of Pulse. And there was a lot of concentrated effort within that year to educate the general public on what pulses were. So I would say we're a lot farther ahead today than we were, you know, five, six years ago on what the term pulse means. And when you look at you know, our customers, for example, that are buying and manufacturing these products, they understand the term pulse because that's what they've been educated from companies like ourselves. But in general, the consumer, yeah, still the, the pulse would be not a 100% familiar term, um, but def- definitely, uh, you know, peas, lentils, chickpeas is, becomes very familiar then. Yeah. What about along similar lines? I noticed some of the products where pulses are making their way into kind of lead with that, you know, kind of like you get lentil pasta and it's, it's pretty prominently displayed. I would, you know, I guess in most cases that it's lentil pasta, whereas others might just be, you know, a, sort of an ingredient under the brand. Do you see that going more one way or the other uh, in, in the future? 
No, I mean, people are, if they're incorporating pulses uh, or, you know, peas, lentils, chickpeas into their, for example, the pasta or the snacks, it's prominent on the, the package because I think, you know, in general, the consumers see, you know, these products as healthy. They see them as wholesome. They see them as all the, the positive benefits. So customers are wanting to put that on the package as a tool to draw in consumers because I think that's always the... Um, like I said, it's it's the trend. It's what people want to see. They feel they're eating something that's healthier, that's uh, you know better for them, you know. So they they feel good about it. So it's on the package. But the key in this whole whole market is that, you know, at the beginning people would sacrifice taste because you want to eat healthier. But to me, you shouldn't have to sacrifice taste in order to eat healthy. And that's really what we've done. It's a, it's about creating good tasting products that can be healthy for you. That can be made from these products like peas, lentils, and chickpeas, that's really going to drive consumers. And, you know, when I look at, you know, some of the products in the market today compared to where they were just 10 years ago, it's night and day difference. Some products weren't edible. You were definitely sacrificing taste, you know, in order to get, you know, something that was healthy, but that that's changing. I mean, I was just at a food show in uh, California and tasting a lot of the products that contain peas and lentils. And it's like, you don't realize you're eating peas and lentils, uh, you know, because we've got to a point where they taste good, it's good for you, um, and, you know, the consumers in general can can enjoy it. Great. Well, this has been fun, Eric. Thank you for letting me, like, pepper you with questions here. Uh, anything else that you'd want to mention, uh, again, to an audience of, of growers and, and researchers about pulse crops? No, I mean, I, you know, in general, I just see you know, where the industry's gone and how quickly it's it's changing and where we could be 10, 20 years from now. It's quite amazing. It's, you know, you look at an industry that, that came in just because growers wanted to move to a, you know, a no-till farming situation. And that's really pulses that had the whole benefit of nitrogen fixing and they could replace summer fallow and they went to no-till systems. And, you know, really from an agronomic standpoint, it was phenomenal. It still is one of the best crops from an agronomic and rotational standpoint. But for years, it was difficult to figure out, okay, where can we ship these products? Like I said, you had a handful of, of buyers that were processing, cleaning them and shipping it, but really limited the growth of the industry. And, you know, now you're in a situation where people are investing hundreds of millions of dollars into infrastructure, into research, into, you know, growth uh, and opportunities that we've never seen this type of research into our industry ever, ever before, or this type of investment into the industry. And I, I think that's going to have huge benefits as we go and it's only going to accelerate the growth of the industry because of the amount of money and investment that's being put in place in the, the industry. So it's, it's going to be exciting to see what happens over the next 20 years. I, I think, uh, there's so much in front of us that it's, yeah, it's exciting. Exciting indeed. Thank you very much to Eric Barch for being on the show today. It's always great to include some episodes on this series of what's happening on the demand side of growing pulse crops. Really enjoyed hearing his perspective. Uh, you can learn more about AGT Foods at their website, which is just www.agtfoods.com. And also make sure you're a subscriber to this podcast so you don't miss our next episode talking about winter peas with Dr. Stephen Van Vliet. Multiple years, my average yield of my winter peas was 6,000 pounds. That's between all the varieties. Spring pea, we don't get close. Spring pea will range from 2,500 pounds to, if it's a great year, we'll go up to 4,500 pounds. 
but I can, I can get 7,000 or 7,500 pounds of some of the different winter pea varieties. That's the part that makes me super excited. A different type of crop expanding into different zones that usually don't produce it, improving soil health, improving the amount of nitrogen and health to the plant following that crop. Again, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that upcoming episode. The Growing Pulse Crops podcast series is overseen by the Pulse Crops Working Group with funding from the Northern Pulse Growers Association, the North Central IPM Center, USDA NIFA, and the USA Dry Pea and Lentil Council. We're releasing these episodes two times per month throughout the season, and we want to make sure this information stays relevant to you. So if you're finding it useful, we'd love it if you'd leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or both, and feel free to tweet us by using the hashtag growing pulse crops we'll be back with another great episode in a couple weeks